Hi, and welcome to the Legal Innovation Talks podcast, where we have discussions with legal thought leaders from around the world in order to uncover the future of the legal space. I'm your host, Stephen Pulver. It is a great privilege and a pleasure to invite our friend, Rene Gill, to join us. Rene, how are you this morning? I'm good, Stephen. Thanks. How are you? I'm great. It's raining outside. We've been so used to sunny summer weather here in Toronto. Um, so I'm, I'm not liking that we're getting a day of rain, but you know what? I'm looking at the window here and it's just okay. We're, we're <laughs> all right. How are you holding up through all this? Um, it's, it's going well. You know, it's, it's surprising how busy it's been over quarantine. It, it's been a lot busier than I would have thought, but I think that's a good thing. So I've been holding up well. Amazing. That's great. I think uh, for our listeners, the best way to start is just for you to, uh, to, to, to speak to yourself and not actually to yourself, but to everyone and uh, speak about yourself. Uh, let, let's hear the, the elevator pitch of, of who is Rene Gill and, uh, and why are we here today? Yeah, for sure. So I am an incoming law student at Ryerson University's Faculty of Law, which is Canada's newest law school, which I'm really, really, really excited to be attending. Um, And I actually did my undergrad at Ryerson as well. So I just graduated in 2019, actually. I did the law and business program there, which I really enjoyed. And it was actually right after my third year ended that I started working for the Legal Innovation Zone as a startup experience associate. So that was really an incredible experience for me. I've learned so much during my time at the Liz and I've met such amazing people such as yourself, Stephen, and the rest of the Minutebox team. And I think I just, I feel so fortunate to have had this experience with the Legal Innovation Zone because it's really helped to shape my interests and help me understand kind of what path I want to take in my own journey with law. Um, So, you know, here we are over two years later and I'm just wrapping up my time with the Legal Innovation Zone. In a few weeks, I'll be ending my term with them. Um, and just kind of preparing over the next month before school starts in September. Incredible. Now, before we get into the Legal Innovation Zone and, and all the amazing things that you've done there and also just the community itself, let's take a step back. Um, tell me about uh, your decision to go to law school. Before we even talk about Ryerson Law and all the amazing things that Ryerson's doing, what what spurred that decision? Um, that's a good question. So, Actually, during my undergrad, I was very back and forth with the idea of law school, right? So in my law and business program, it was very split. Half of, half of the program would end up going to law school and half of the program wouldn't. And so I was constantly, you know, thinking to myself, you know, I, I know I've wanted to be a lawyer for a very long time, but this idea of going through this very traditional process, I'm not sure how I feel about that, about doing three years at law school. I don't know if it's worth it. And I remember in my, I think in my second year of undergrad, I, I, I had started saying to people, I'm only going to law school if Ryerson comes out with one, because that's how much I was enjoying my experience there. And then sure enough, I think maybe a year or so later, they announced that they were launching the program. Um, so I think especially during the time when I started working at the Legal Innovation Zone, I think that is really what solidified my decision to want to go to Ryerson Law. So I, I was already kind of heading in that direction. But being exposed to this legal innovation world through the Liz and getting to work with the different startups there and learn all of these things about legal tech and, and innovation, it's, it's really what solidified my decision of, you know what, when Ryerson Law announced their programming, everything that they were kind of promoting and the fact that they were reflecting the similar types of values that I was finding at the Liz is really what helped me say, you know what, this is the only school for me. This is my top choice and the only law school I'm going to is Ryerson Law. So did you apply to other schools? 
Um, I originally only was applying to Ryerson, but as I was talking to people, they thought it was kind of strange and a little bit risky to only be applying to one. So I did apply to one other law school. Um, <laughs> but Ryerson Law was always going to be my top choice. And I, I knew that that's where I needed to go. Well, well, knowing you, I can say for certain um, that if Ryerson Law did not take you, that would have been a, that would have been a serious travesty because uh, you really are at the forefront of, um, you know, what I believe to be the model, model future student in law. Um, and we can get into that throughout the discussion. Um, but Ryerson is very lucky to have you because I've seen the way you work. I've seen the ideas that you have and I see what you bring to the table and uh, the, the future of law depends, I think, in many ways on, on students like yourself uh, who are going to really push, push this industry forward. I really appreciate that. Thanks, Stephen. My pleasure. So that, that, that's great. Um, so tell me a little bit about Ryerson Law and what excites you in particular about this program. Wow, that's it's hard to pick just one thing. I think I'm excited. And it doesn't have to be one thing. It can be a okay. couple things. Like what 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 about the program from from a high level was it that you said I'm not going to law school unless it's Ryerson Law? So, I think the fact that you know Ryerson is promising to change the approach to traditional legal education. So, I think it starts there. Um, so, you know, they're promising this. They have these pillars that are based on technology innovation, access to justice, diversity and inclusion. Those are all things that really matter a lot to me. And these are things that I was seeing in the program of Ryerson Law and what they were promoting that I wasn't seeing anywhere else, uh, particularly. So I think on a high level, that's what really pulled me in and made me interested in Ryerson Law. Um, also, I think having my experience at Ryerson during my undergrad, I really got to see just how special Ryerson is and how forward-thinking they are in everything that they do. So the fact that they're launching a new law school, it, just, it really makes me feel like if I really trust them and the team that they have to really do something amazing with this program. Um, and I think to kind of get into what the program looks like, you know, there's a lot of key things that Ryerson Law is doing differently. That It's very clear from the outside to see that they're already very much changing the program to make it as promising as they're saying it's going to be. So the first thing is that, you know, there's no articling involved for Ryerson Law. It's a three-year program, there's no articling, and instead they're actually integrating um, that practical aspect within the three years of legal education. So one example, so articling is the first example. The second is that, you know, at the beginning of each semester, what they're doing with their program is the first week of each semester, we are going to be going through these uh, intensive courses is what they're calling them, intensive. So it's kind of like a boot camp style from what I understand. And each intensive is focused within a different topic. So there's going to be a coding intensive, a technology intensive, a financial intensive. Um, and you know, it's like, I'm going to law school, but I'm also going to be learning about legal tech. I'm going to be learning about coding. I'm going to be learning about these other skills that also matter for me becoming a lawyer. So I think that also shows that they really are trying to be different in their approach and they're trying to build all of these skills so that I can serve a broader range of communities. Um, so that's the second aspect. And I think the third aspect is that, you know, they have a co-teaching model that they're doing. So what they're saying that they're going to do is we're going to be having lectures with academic professors and then we break off into smaller groups where we'll uh, be learning from an actual legal practitioner and that'll be more application based and again, more practical. So it's all of these elements put together of their curriculum and their programming that makes it so exciting. And I think all goes together to help me in my journey of wanting to become that different kind of lawyer. So I think 
all of these things are what make me excited about Ryerson Law specifically. It, that that's great, and and furthermore, I think you've brought up a good point previously when we we chatted before this talk specifically around uh, your assumptions of what lawyers and law firms did and uh, and some of those preconceptions that have obviously changed in 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 recent times but we're, we're hopping in in any event talk a little bit about your assumptions of what you what you thought was possible for lawyers and what lawyers did and, and how you've already discovered through Liz and now through Iris and law how that's changing and has already changed yeah so I think I think I always assumed that lawyers and lawyers only had the power to provide legal services and once I started my time at the Liz you know I was introduced to all these amazing startups doing all these amazing things and leveraging the use of technology in a very interesting way to create these different products or to be able to deliver services in a a new way. That didn't necessarily mean that consumers have to go to a law firm or go to a lawyer, um, spend lots of money, spend lots of time and energy, you know, just a very quick and easy product or service that are being made by these startups. So I think that, um, if it wasn't for my experience with the Liz, it might've taken me longer to realize this. I think I would have gone through the motions just like a lot of other law students do, you know, just going through the motions of going through law school, waiting to practice at a firm, um, and then maybe starting to see myself in reality, what it looked like. So that's why I say I'm very fortunate for my experience at the Liz to have seen firsthand that, you know, there is an access, there is an accessibility issue in the law. Um, and that a lot of that comes from lawyers. And so I think it's worth it to understand and be more aware of what alternatives there are um, and how lawyers can practice differently, but also legal services can come from so much more than just law firms or lawyers themselves. Right. And I think that's totally true. And in many ways, we talk about the fact that, uh, you know, lawyers practice law, but there are so many things that lawyers are trusted on that are completely competent and and Mm. capable of of providing beyond just pure legal services, whether they be business technology, you're talking about, you know, Ryerson law, having a coding coding component, all of these pieces form uh, in in many ways, what we term at least a minute box is, you know, the tools of the modern professional, like what, what are, you know, what does the modern professional uh, you know, what is that? And in many ways, it's not just the provision, or I should say legal professional in this case, but, you know, it, it's, as I'm sure you would agree, it's, it's way more than just the ability to draft an agreement or do some legal research or file, you know, some, uh, you know, do some litigation. Um, we've, we've certainly found, I'd love to hear your comments, that it's so much more than that. Our modern professionals are being asked to do things that they've never been asked or contemplated before you know now now we're asking them to really take in technology at a you know at a completely different pace and also just a a new level of sophistication because these tools just haven't existed before how in your mind you know what does the modern professional look like when you're when you're finished law school you're done ryerson law uh you know you're you're off to the races with your career, what do you think the modern professional looks like in four or five years, legal professional in this case? It's a good question. So I, you know, I like to say that I'm going through this journey of becoming a quote unquote atypical lawyer. That's what I like to say to people. And I think when I think about what an atypical lawyer 
means or what that looks like, it, it comes down to two main things for me. I think the first is, you know, a legal professional who is not afraid um, to do things differently, to bring something different to the table, a new way of thinking, being a lot more open-minded. Um, I think that's the first aspect. And the second, I think is just, as you're saying, is, you know, understanding and being aware that technology can be leveraged to help make the practice of law better and to help deliver better legal services for consumers. So that's why I'm really interested to see what happens with Ryerson Law and how in coming years, four or five years down the road, how this is going to impact change through other law schools in Canada, how they might change, it, what kind of ripple effect it'll create and the way other schools maybe change their curriculums or how they change their approach to legal education and also how it's going to directly final change into the legal industry, right? So our cohort, once we graduate from Ryerson Law, I'm really excited to see how we go about, whether it's you know, building our own practices, our, our own companies, working at firms on Bay Street, working at boutique law firms, whatever it is, I really hope that when it comes to being that modern legal professional or being an atypical lawyer, that we take these notions of you know, technology, innovation, doing things differently, um, and diversity and inclusion as well. I think that's also a really big aspect too. So I hope that answers your question. No, 100%. And I do actually just want to jump into diversity and inclusion before I do that. Around the atypical lawyer, mm -hmm. you know, when I, when I left practice, uh, or even when I was practicing, in many ways, I didn't have that term. It's a great term, the atypical lawyer. To yeah. what extent does that atypical turn into typical over the next five plus years where if you're not practicing in the way that, that you're looking to practice, uh, maybe there's not the same kinds of job opportunities for you. Um, do you see over time that that atypicalness turning into more the standard fare for, for what, what future lawyers look like? Um, no, I, I don't think so. I think especially if you look at the times that we're in right now, right, with, with this pandemic, um, there's been a lot of talk within the legal realm of how we've had to adapt over these past four months, how firms have had to adapt, how the courts have had to adapt, and all these conversations of, you know, what is it going to look like post-pandemic? And I think we're starting to see that, you know, there's, there's a lot of different conversations happening around that of whether change really is going to happen out of the pandemic and whether it's not going to happen. But I do think that it is going to create a different opportunity for students such as myself and my, my uh, fellow classmates at Ryerson Law. I think that if anything, there's more opportunity for us to push through and more opportunity to actually create change and be those atypical lawyers. I feel like there's more room for that now and there's less room for it to go from atypical to typical lawyers, if that makes sense. So um, it's a lot harder to look back, I think. I, I understand. Let's talk about diversity and inclusion. Uh, you've mentioned it a few times. It's something that is incredibly important uh, to us and in everything we do. Um, but I'd love to hear from you in terms of what is, in particular is Ryerson Law doing? Uh, you mentioned before uh, that that was one of the key pillars for, for a reason for, for joining the program. But just in general, some of your thoughts around uh, how the industry is changing, how you'd like to see change, where you see uh, where you see things progressing over the next, you know, uh, short term and, and long term, um, mm -hmm. because these are these are critical, critical discussions uh, between that. And I know you mentioned access to justice and, and, and so many different pieces that are forming part of 
uh, a critical conversation we ought to be having uh, and, and actions resulting from those. Yeah, so actually, you know, on my, on my blog, really.ca, I've written a few posts now about diversity and inclusion. I think, you know, it's come from understanding that for me, as someone who's about to start my legal journey, I'm very fortunate to be going to Ryerson Law where I've, I've been, um, I've been talking to my fellow classmates and I, I can see from the get-go that Ryerson Law is already different from all, from various different levels, different levels, right? So we already talked about the fact that they're changing their programming um, and what they're doing to show us and to prove to us that their programming is going to be different and helping us develop these different skills to become atypical lawyers. But it's also very diverse from the get-go and it's very clear that their pillar of diversity and inclusion is more than just talk. Um, it's something that has always, I feel, been an important pillar for Ryerson University as a whole. So it makes total sense that the law school is making this important for them as well. Um, and, you know, just a few months ago, the faculty of law team hosted a panel called Black Lives Matter, State Power, and the Breaking of the Social Contract. And that panel that they put together, like they, they did it, uh, they did it very quickly in response to all of the injustices that we've been seeing in the news and everything that's been happening. They put this amazing panel together and it was just so amazing for, I think, myself and for my fellow classmates to see that, you know, they're really showing us how much they care about diversity and inclusion, that they're, they're making sure that they're really embedding it into Ryerson Law, that they're making it clear that why this is important, why it's important for us as law students to be aware of, of, of these issues and why it's important for us to keep these with us as we're going through law school, as we're practicing in the profession. Now, you, you actually wrote in that article, I'm, I'm going to read it here. Um, and by the way, ridae.ca, R-I-D-H-E-Y.ca is your website. Yes. Shameless plug. I like that. I'm the one giving it. So you're, you're all set. Uh, and it'll be in the, sh in the show notes as well. Uh, but you have this great article, as, as you've mentioned now, Becoming a Diverse Legal Industry. And you say, Becoming a Diverse Legal Industry doesn't start and stop in legal practice. It starts at the very beginning of the process with students applying to law school and continues all the way up until these students become practicing lawyers or legal professionals in the workplace. That's a, that's a terrific statement. Um, but what do we say to the workplaces and the law schools that don't have time to wait until these amazing new students that, that are entering programs and, and schools like Ryerson Law um, really uh, viewing diversity and inclusion as a fundamental pillar. But there's tons of workplaces out there. There's tons of law, law schools that I'm not quite sure that have made those uh, pillars of, of their establishments. What advice, what guidance, you know, talk, talk to me about that. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting thing to talk about. Um, you know, I, I, I think I mentioned that same article that I've been reading Michelle Obama's book, Becoming, and she talks directly about this topic. And she talks about, you know, her time as a lawyer in, in a law firm where she was trying to be a part of the recruitment process. And she was really pushing for more diversity and inclusion um, directly within the law firm. And she was directly making moves when it came to recruiting from different types of law schools. With the law school admissions process, it's very clear that it is honestly a very elitist process um, in the way that students are chosen to go to law school. So, you know, you, they require a lot from you. You have to have very, very high grades. You have to be very, very involved. Um, it matters to some extent of what school you go to and what program you, you've been involved in. And it's like, 
what if what about the people who don't necessarily have access to these opportunities because of their situations and so that's why with, with i know i keep talking about ryerson law but that's why it's so important to me to be a part of this inaugural cohort is what i experience with their holistic admissions process i feel like is what's needed um for all law schools and also for law firms to have that similar mindset of you know we're not just looking at xyz we're, we're not just looking at numbers or we're not using these variables that um may not necessarily be may, may be encompassing a broader range of people that we need to be represented in the legal community but um rather we need to actually look at people on a more holistic basis and consider their their situations and consider their different stories so i think that's a really important thing to consider that you know with ryerson with their holistic admissions they looked at they really took the time to get to know all of us from um a, a much bigger level so we, they did interviews with us they looked at our personal statement they really got the time to understand our different capacities and it was more than just being a number if that makes if that makes sense it, it totally does and i mean that is a key component that that holistic approach interviews all that kind of stuff uh you know i can certainly see how that would be uh tremendously impactful uh when it comes to ensuring that the class that you're bringing in is going to be a, a, as diverse uh inclusive of of um you know of all different uh types of people joining um so that change really can happen in this industry and, and in other, others. Now, I, I, I want to segue into a final point in question because I, I find the title of your most recent article, uh, I really, really liked. And the title was, We Don't Need More Lawyers, We Need a Different Kind of Lawyer. Rade, what, what to you is a different kind of lawyer? And what as we close close this out, I'd really just like to hear from you about where you see the practice of law and the the, the different kind of lawyer. And I'd love to listen back to this in a couple of years when you're through Ryerson Law and say, wow, I think you really nailed it. Because before you even speak, I should say that I I was really I was really struck by that title when I read it the first time. And I'd love to, to hear from you what exactly you summarize the article, but summarize your thoughts on that. We don't need more lawyers. We need a different kind of lawyer. Yeah. So that article, you know, was kind of me commenting and summarizing that panel event that Ryerson Law put together of uh, Black Lives Matter, the breaking of uh, the social contract. And I think it really hit me because one of the things that they were talking about on the panel was, you know, we have, there's, there's already, there's, it's not that we need, we don't need more lawyers. That's not what the issue is. Um, even with people responding to Ryerson Law and saying, you know, well, we don't really, why do we need another law school? We, we don't need another law school. We don't need more lawyers. We need, um, we need to change the way lawyers are being trained so that we can actually create impact and funnel that into the industry. And to me, I think when, I, when I'm, thinking about what being a different kind of lawyer means, um, you know, I think I kind of meant touch on this earlier is that it comes down to those two main things, right? It's what am I going to be bringing different to the table once I'm done Ryerson Law? Um, what different way of thinking am I going to have and how is that going to change the way I either am practicing at another law firm or if I have the opportunity of building my own firm, how is that going to look? And also understanding that, you know, again, with technology, leveraging the use of that is going to be huge in 
figuring out a way to better serve consumers for the way that consumers actually need to be served. You know, from all of these words and everything you've said, I think it's very clear that we certainly do need um, a different kind of lawyer and different kind of law students. And I think a lot, lot to your point is that, yes, we can make changes to the industry as a whole, Mm-hmm. But grassroots really does start at the at the community and then at the at the level of the law law schools and uh, what changes and choices they're making uh, to create the next generation different kinds of lawyers practicing in different ways a more diverse and inclusive set of lawyers mm-hmm. uh, and and it, you I have no doubt in my mind that you are at that forefront Renee. Uh, believe very strongly as as we look at legal innovation generally, uh, we look at changes in the industry. We see people like you uh, truly at the forefront of changes uh, coming to this industry, very meaningful and important changes. Uh, and we're so grateful to have you as a champion uh, in so many different ways in uh, legal innovation, law schools, um, business, and so you wear so many different hats. Uh, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to chat with us and, and talk about the future of both law and law school. Uh, and I'm very excited to see where your future takes you. And I certainly hope that we're going to be able to, uh, to, to, to watch and, and, and view you as, as you go through this process. And we're all super excited about that. I want to thank you, Rade Gill. Uh, Rade, your website is Rade.ca. That's R-I-D-H-E-Y.ca. We'll also link that in the show notes. Uh, Rene, you're amazing. We wish you all the best and we cannot wait to, we should do this again while you're in school in first semester. What do you say? 100%, of course. I would love to come back. I think we should totally do that. 